Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, does pornography give kids an unrealistic expectation of what it's like to be a plumber? Hi, America. Hello, world. (laughs) My name is Adrian Lee, and I'm your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment, and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly. From the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and Vessant Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Even at school, Heather thought she had special powers. Constant supervision. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> That's terrible. Did, Hello, Mr. Lee. <laughs> did that work? Did you have x-ray eyes, or could you see through things, or do stuff with your eyes? Is that How did you get constant supervision? You are. What's wrong with you? We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. This week, Kim planned a vacation and fell out with Greg. Kim wants to fly to exotic places and stay in posh hotels. And Greg wants to go with her. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras than leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He's also our sound engineer and producer. This week, Greg bought a very expensive garden trimmer. 
I asked why it costs so much, and Greg replied, it's cutting hedge technology. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> I love this show. We are series two, episode 27. 27's a fabulous number. 27 is the atomic number of cobalt. Well, that's a fact that came straight out of the blue. There are 27 signs. I've actually gone past a cobalt quarry in Kent, where I went to university many years ago to do my degree, in the southeast of England. They had a cobalt quarry. And when it rained, obviously the quarry filled up with water. It was the bluest water you've ever seen in your life. It was just remarkable. True story, I tell you. There are 27 signs of the zodiac in Indian astrology. So it is now possible to be born under the sign of the guinea pig. So that's good news for everyone. There are the number of outs in a regulation baseball game for each team is 27. Were you aware of that? I thought that was a very fascinating fact. I don't understand baseball at all, but then I don't need to because there's a man in the middle that decides everything called a vampire. The 27 Club <laughs> refers to musicians who have died at the age of 27. Have you heard of this, the 27 yeah, Club? Yeah, didn't Amy Winehouse die She is a member of this club. It's a very, very long list. I will just give you a few of the uh, members. They died at the age of 27. Robert Johnson, the famous blues singer from the 30s. Mm -hmm. Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, you mentioned. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. There is a very long list if people wish to go and look that up i've just given you the edited highlights there and i'm sorry to inform you listeners that kane west is actually 38 so we've missed the boat there unfortunately <laughs> there are and it's kanye is it i don't know the gentleman <laughs> i know that he tortured a version of bohemian rhapsody on stage recently which was uh, terrible I didn't see that and I don't yeah know that's if worth I want to yeah you look that up on youtube and uh, it will make you realize how fabulous freddie mercury was it was recently freddie mercury's birthday last mm -hmm. week i believe i find it remarkable do you know how old he was when he died i greg's chipped in in the background there with 42 42 was the age that elvis presley died and i found that remarkable i thought that was uh quite something because when i when he's a child when i was a child in actuality in the 70s and he died you know, he seemed to be an old person to me. Right. As a small child of seven years old, you know, someone who's 42, that's a million miles away. You know, I'm now three years older than when Elvis Presley died. I find that remarkable. Freddie Mercury died at 45. Wow. So he was actually, last week he would have been 69. It doesn't make sense to me. Does it, Can you imagine him with, like, thinning? Well, no. he had, he, his hair was thinning anyway, to be fair, but you imagine him as an elderly man, you know. No. With no hair, just it doesn't work, does it? Yeah. I find it remarkable. I find these things very strange and very odd. But apparently, you can see what was his name? Kane Kanye. Kanye. Who knew? <laughs> I'm sure he's very good at. What and they he named does. their daughter North. North. So it's Northwest. Ah. Yes. You know that Kardashian woman's been saddled with a big ass. I'm guessing that's him, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. We've had a fabulous week, an absolutely fabulous week. We've had uh, lots of messages of support and uh, from our listeners on Facebook and Twitter. So everyone who listens to the show, who sends us messages, I don't read them all out. Perhaps I should start doing that. Yeah. But regularly on Facebook, people join more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, and they say how much they like the show. I get emails on a regular basis, Twitter as well. 
So we have 62,000 followers on Twitter at the moment. So thank you for your support. That's Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips if people want to join that. One of the things I'm going to ask our listeners to do is that we've decided we're going to put a greatest hits together. So we're going to pick out all of our favourite stories from the last three years and we're going to put them together in like an hour special and we'll cut them and edit them. Perhaps we'll introduce them. We'll sit around in the studio, discuss our favourite stories. If our listeners want to go onto Facebook or wish to go onto Twitter and they wish to talk about their favourite story from the last three years, could be in any category, we could actually mention their name, find that in our archives and put that into the greatest hits. So if people wish to do that, if you have a story that stands out, one that sticks in the memory, uh, you're more than welcome to write to me, of course. You can write to me on Twitter or on our Facebook account. And we have got an email, but no one ever seems to write to me on that. It seems to be redundant now. <laughs> there is an email called mqta at rocketmail.com that I check every six months and no one's ever written to me. So I blow the dust off of that occasionally. <laughs> but if people wish to do that, they can write to me with their favourite stories and we'll actually put that together in a greatest hits package. Perhaps a present for Christmas would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it's been a great week. We've, uh, we're fully booked, our expos, we're fully booked nearly every weekend in October and November for the International Paranormal Society. We're doing expos and events all the way around the Midwest. So if people wish to join us on a weekend of hauntings and lectures and ghost hunts, they can write to me as well, and I'll give you the details of that. But we're going to be in various haunted hotels, very old and glamorous hotels throughout the Midwest, throughout October and November. I feel like Santa Claus. Before Christmas, everyone wants Santa Claus. After Christmas, come January, no one wants Santa Claus. They all want a paranormal investigator for Halloween. As soon as November rolls by, that's it. I'm forgotten about. I'm sat in a dark room Aww. with a washcloth on my face waiting for the phone to ring. But that's fabulous. We're fully booked up every weekend in October and the end of September and the beginning of November. So if people want to join us and the team, we were thinking about doing some live radio broadcasts from the places we go to to investigate. It might be fun to set them up in the hotel. People could listen. We could actually have a live studio audience with phones going off in the idea. background i know i swear you get phones going off and people slamming doors and Coughing. chatting and yeah who wants that that would be terrible Sneezing. that's the sort of thing flatulating <laughs> there's a thing in minnesota that's very common you'll be sat on a ghost hunt and i'm sure this will happen if we do a live show with a live audience you know in one of these hotels is you get the the minnesota sniff you know it's minus we're gonna 20 get that out. anyway allergies are terrible well, the Minnesota sniff's normally down to cold weather, to be honest, but you combine that with allergies and the harvest, then I'm sure that's true. My next book, The Mysterious Midwest, is looking fabulous. That's going to be out before Christmas. And just to compound our fabulous week, we went to the Renfest last yeah, we weekend. Did. Yay. That's the Renaissance Festival. Yes. That's in Shakopee, is that right? Yeah. Right. I don't know where I'm going. I just get in the car and we, we arrive. It's like being a child and going to the zoo, I guess. It was fun, wasn't it? It was great. Everyone went. Everyone dressed up. Yes. Greg, the first year he went, said, I'm never dressing up. He had a pair of khaki shorts on and a blue shirt. And he said that was his outfit and that, that was, was it. That was his outfit. Yes, a year later, he's dressed from head to foot and as a full cavalier with a feather in his hat in navy royal blue. <laughs> fabulous. And looked fabulous. Absolutely. I think that's an amazing place. This place has been going for some years, hasn't it? Wasn't it founded back in the late 70s, early 80s? Am yeah, I, right? I think so. Mm -hmm. People like Penn and Teller started their career at the Renfest in Minnesota. Did you know that? 
That I didn't know. That is true. Yeah, I looked that up. Twig, the fairy, of course. Puke and Snot is a very famous act. People may have One of them died and they replaced him. Did they replace the snot or did they replace the puke? Uh, I think it was... No, I don't want to say because I don't want to jinx the other one. No, that would be bad. (laughs) But but 50% of the act... Is gone. Yes. You can now get tickets 50% free. Oh, no. <laughs> no, he has, we been, love you, he has been replaced and they do a fabulous job. You've I've, owned the cider stall. Yes, we've had this discussion before. <laughs> We're not discussing Dickens cider ever again on this show. That was the worst 10 Charles minutes. Dickens. Yes, and I am related to him very distantly by marriage. And I never knew you made cider. Who knew? Things I'm finding out historically about my family that I never knew. I find it very odd as an Englishman to walk around the event and have people talking to me in a fake English accent is very odd. Can you imagine being in Britain, going to a massive festival where there's hundreds of thousands of people going through there and everyone speaking with a fake American accent would be really bizarre, wouldn't it? I find that very odd. Wasn't it last year you got grabbed by one of them and we were chatting with them and then they asked you which booth you worked yeah, in? Yeah, I think everyone thinks <laughs> I worked there. I've been working on this accent for two months. It's not bad, is it? I'm going for East London. How is it going? Can you imagine if they said my accent was terrible and it needs more work? Actually, the puppeteer that was there was actually quite fun, and you actually thought he was from England. Yes, there's me talking to a guy's hand, and he's got some sort of foam puppet going on there. And I said to the puppet via the guy standing behind, you know, that's a really good yeah, really good accent you've got there. I had trouble because I can't see the guy's face. All I can see is the puppet, right? So I can't see how he's forming the words and, and the mannerisms that you would use when you're looking to see if someone's putting on a fake accent or not. It sounded really good. It sounded like South London. And you have to be an expert. You have to come from London to know the difference between an East London, a West London and a South London accent. Because the difference between South London and East London is the width of the Thames, which is like half a mile in its widest part. It's remarkable that half a mile can make a difference in accent. I don't know in this country whether you get like a West New York accent and an East New York accent, something like that. There's an Iowa accent. Yes, but Iowa's an entire state. (laughs) This is where we are. I'm talking about the same city. All right, all right. But yes, I thought he came from South London and I committed to that and it turns out he was a local. And he was very pleased with himself. He said he watched a lot of British television. He did, he did. And he was actually going for a South London accent. Yeah. And he nailed it. Yeah. Now I'm going to do something that's incredibly difficult. I'm going to do an American doing a British accent. So think about this. I'm British. I'm now going to do the impression of an American doing a British accent. Does that make sense? Oh, boy. They'll come up to me and they'll go, Cheerio, hello, mate. Would you like some chocolate? And I find that very odd. No one's ever said cheerio to me and hello, mate. It's like war English. It's like during the Second World War. You know, oh, no, Jerry's bought it. Bandits at three o'clock. No? More English, I'm just saying. That was the Bugs Bunny noise. <laughs> God, yes. Bugs Bunny did do some cartoons based on the Second World War for propaganda purposes, oh, didn't he? he did, yeah. This is true. All the opera you know, of course, comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yes, I do. You don't know any opera outside no. of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, do you? This is where your <laughs> cultural <laughs> learning <laughs> begins <laughs> and ends. <laughs> yeah, a bit of Aida. Um <laughs> The reason I wanted to talk about the Renfest, I didn't want to discuss puppets and Bugs Bunny necessarily, but oh. Greg came up with a really interesting point when we was walking around. He said he wondered if an event like that would be haunted because you have millions of people going through there regularly. That's right. So you've got all that energy to start with. And we know people create hauntings. You know, wherever humanity goes, 
paranormal activity will follow. So you've got all that energy. Do you remember we talked on previous shows about what's called the Singapore theory, where you dress up in costume and you play music from the period or you do reenactments right. to try and get ghosts and spirits to come through. They feel safer in that environment. So everyone's dressed up. Not that there'd be anyone in America from the Renaissance period, of course, because the Americas hadn't been discovered then. But I just wondered if people dressing up would perhaps encourage that. They're reenacting violent events. There's people doing sword fights. There's jousting. Mm -hmm. There's people hitting each other over the head with large hammers. That was just us. I know. Well, we did have a row over a hot dog. This is true. I really enjoyed the meat pies. Meat pies. The only <laughs> you made a beeline for that. We that was my breakfast. This is the only place in America I can get a proper meat pie, and it doesn't work unless the gravy is running down your chin and all down your shirt. Probably not right to start the day like that. This is what worries me. If we go to missions to Mars, and you've got like a little dish in front of you with two pills on it, and one says bangers, and one says mash, or one says fish, and one says chips. And you've got like a little pill to eat. Because the whole point of having a meat pie is having the gravy run down your shirt. I also thought a lot of people that have passed, that have gone to the Renfest over the last 30 to 40 years, would enjoy going back there in spirit because it's something sure. they enjoy doing. I often imagine that perhaps in spirit I'd go and watch my soccer team West Ham play and I'd be standing in the terraces watching my soccer team in spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for all of those reasons, it wouldn't be a bad place to investigate, would it? What type of a quarry is it on? It's not on a limestone quarry, is it? It's uh, for the fracking. Is that what it's called? So it's... Uh, it's a proper quarry. It's I a think. proper quarry, yeah. It's a big hole in the ground is what it yeah, is. Yeah, well, not, it will it's, be. It's not yeah. cobra. Well, it, it, there is a big hole in the ground. It's the biggest moat I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> wow. It's like the distance between France and England you have to walk. If that filled up with water, you'd have a cross-channel ferry going backwards and forwards. There you go. Fabulous. So that was our trip to the Renfest and the suggestion that perhaps it could be haunted. We're running to the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. And I have a story here that says, Does Spooky Snap show ghosts of two princes in the Tower of London? The two princes in the Tower is one of the most enduring mysteries, but this photograph could show their ghosts. Captured by a medium and psychic artist, the picture appears to show the two famous princes in the Tower of London, thought to have been murdered by their uncle Richard III. Edward V and his twin brother, Richard of Shrewsbury, disappeared in 1483, and their story has been shrouded in mystery ever since, but Christine Hamlet believes she has the answer. Their uncle, Richard III, brutally murdered them. You don't have to be a psychic to believe that. I mean, history genuinely suggests that their uncle did away with them and actually found during renovation work some years ago in the tower two skeletons of two little boys which they think Ooh. belonged to these two because they were going to in inherit the throne so the uncle did away with them so he could then become king does that make sense yes and richard the third of course was the guy that got dug up in the car park in leicester recently that's right my horse my horse my kingdom for a horse there yeah, if you remember a bit of shakespeare very cultured tonight aren't we opera shakespeare bugs bunny gravy and meat pie <laughs> the 58 year old snapped the spooky image and believes the boys reached out to her to tell her about their murder she visited the tourist attraction last week christine from cheshire visited the tower as a tourist and said i'm sure they were trying to communicate with me as soon as i arrived at the tower i felt a presence it's an amazing place for any medium because it's draped in history but to have contact with the two princes was incredible 
When I took the photograph, I looked at it on my computer. I lightened and darkened the photo. Sometimes that can help spirits reveal themselves. It's always very dangerous, isn't it, messing around with photographs using particular packages, drawing packages, photographic packages. It's like having an EVP and then doing so much to it that you know you're warping the sound you're slowing it down you're filtering out this that and the other if you've got to do all that don't bother would be my advice when i turned this photo into black and white i was stunned i could see the figure as clear as day he looks to be a teenage boy between 14 and 16 walking along the tower with his head bowed of course i don't know for sure what it was but i believe it was the princes the princes were last seen in the tower at the end of august That's the end of August in 1483, not the end of August like a week or two ago. (laughs) And that's when I think they appeared to me at the same time of the year. There's a lot of building work being done to the tower and often they can disturb spirits. I've seen proof, she said, that these are figures and that they're in spirit. If anyone wants to see these photographs, by the way, you can visit our Facebook site, more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. And all of tonight's stories are on there. And you can see these photographs in glorious Technicolor and you can sit at them, look at them at your own leisure and perusal and see if you think they are the spirits of Edward V and his brother Richard. One thing I will say, I was given a photograph to look at many years ago and someone claims they took a photograph of a ghost at the Tower of London. The Tower of London was built when the Normans invaded, it was built in the 11th, the end of the 11th century. It's a very old building. And they said they had a picture of Charles I coming up the steps as a ghost to have his head cut off because Charles I had his head cut off. He was beheaded in the middle of the 17th century during the Civil War. And I was going along with this. This actually did look like Charles I. He had the big ruff of that period, the Jacobean period. He had you know, the look about him, I suddenly realised through historical research that he never had his head cut off at the Tower. It was done somewhere else. I think it was Whitehall in London. So they said, oh, this is a ghost of Charles I having his head cut off. You then realise that Charles I didn't have his head cut off at the Tower of London. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you're trying to get the history to fit the story and the photograph. All very strange and all very bizarre and very interesting. So I shall give myself two points to start tonight's show in such a fabulous manner. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in Ghosts and Hauntings? I have a millionaire who used children's gravestones to decorate mansion, which inspired him all things bright and beautiful. Wow. Well, that's not going to be haunted then, is it? If you use the masonry of children's <sighs> graves to decorate your house. That's very sad. What could possibly go wrong? It's a terrible oh, story. No. Property developer Kim Davies, 60, brought in tombstones from a derelict chapel and cemented them to the walls of the grade two listed house. Now, what's a grade two listed grade house? Grade two means you can't do too much to it, actually. In Britain, you have various grades of it's listed buildings. like a historical building. home or yeah, something? Yeah, if it's a grade one listed building, you can't do anything to it. Really? Yeah, nothing. If it's grade two, too, you you have to kind of apply to do renovation work if you want to paint it do it up you've got to get permission it's got to fit with how it's meant to look and i'm taking gravestones is not how it was supposed to look no that's a very odd thing to be doing i have to say planners were horrified when they saw the 150 year old gravestones with the children's names and ages on them 
A court heard Davies had cut them up to make decorative stone plaques at the house where Cecil Franks Alexander wrote the lyrics to the children's favorite hymn. Do you know the hymn All Things Bright and Beautiful? No, no, actually. It's a I Protestant don't. hymn, of course, and you're all Lutheran down this part of the country, <laughs> that's aren't you? True. So it's never going to happen. True. We burnt all our Catholics during the Reformation. <laughs> Whether that's good or bad, we can have another radio show on at some other time. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. No? Yes. It went a bit Monty Python <laughs> at the end. It all went a bit ant Great. I remember singing that as a child. You can't beat a good Protestant hymn, can you, is what I'm saying. One gravestone had the names of two brothers and a sister who all died under the age of four. Oh. Wealthy businessman Davies also used some of the graves as flagstones for a patio at the country mansion. Where did he get these from? Were they in his backyard? I mean, I know gravestones get reclamated. In Britain, they have a thing called the Human Tissue Act, which sure. means that you can't touch a grave unless it's more than 100 years old. And even then, you have to get permission from relatives. But He said he, bought, he brought them from a derelict chapel. There you so. go. So it's already been reclamated, and it was just scrap stones. I guess so. Davies appeared at Newark Crown Court, where he is due to be sentenced for giving the house a gaudy footballer's wives makeover the court heard planning officers found dozens of gravestones while inspecting the property they discovered headstones taken from the village of rhymney in south wales one was a grave of david four rose three and thomas who was just 11 months old when he died let's get to the facts though the point is he got prosecuted for doing renovation work to a grade two listed building without having permission He's not got into trouble for using gravestones. That's true. That's so true. the gravestones were taken as, as scrap masonry. So he bought those, as you say, from a chapel that was being dismantled. He's in trouble for putting up gravestones on a grade two listed building without permission. Is so where if it are. was just his mud shack somewhere, they would be fine. Yes. He's got into trouble for, uh, for having... The grade a, two. Yes, building's very historical and you're not allowed to touch it. It sounds great, doesn't it, that he's made stone cladding on the outside of this old classic building out of old gravestones. I bet it looks fabulous. Uh, we can't say too much because I believe there's a couple of gravestones in our flower garden. Yes, well, that's what happens when you go digging out in your yard, isn't it? <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Rhesus, RH negative blood, you may belong to the Nephilim. Now, Rhesus is a monkey, I'm sure it is. That's a candy bar. <laughs> is it? Okay. It's either candy bar or monkey. I think you've got that wrong. <laughs> Recent studies have shown that this rare blood group may indicate non-human traits in your makeup, which set you apart from the conventional DNA of Homo sapiens. Wow. There is a lot of confusion about the origin of the word Nephilim and what it means. In Hebrew, it literally means to fall, as in fallen angel. The Bible, the Talmud, and the Quran all speak of fallen angels. In the book of Genesis, in the Bible, it relates how the Nephilim produced children with humans. One was even depicted as killing Japheth, Noah's son, and taking his place, whereupon he fathered many children with Japheth's unsuspecting wife, which eventually populated much of northern Europe. Unsuspecting wife. I was under the impression that Nephilim were like 12 foot high. Would you not think, hang on a second, he's put on a few inches. Just saying. Because <laughs> they think Goliath in David and Goliath was a Nephilim. Nephilim were half-breed yes. that were angels. Fallen angels came down, raped human women, 
and created a half-breed, which was then called the Nephilim. In Genesis 6, people get confused with this because they say Noah created the flood because he was unhappy with man. He wasn't unhappy with man. He created the flood and saved Noah to get rid of the half-breed of angels that suddenly started to exist. That's what he was unhappy with, half-breeds of angels with with demonic entities and, and humans combined together. Well, according to this, experts can't agree about the where the origin of this side order of humans may have originated, citing fallen angels or aliens as possible sources. But they do agree on the characteristics, which can include. Let's see how many of these you guys have. Oh, no. Does this mean we're a fallen angel? We're a half-breed demonic entity? Possible. Higher than average IQ. Well, I'd, nope. I'd like to think so. <laughs> we are in Minnesota. I can read. That helps. More sensitive vision and other senses. I'm very sensitive, soul me. Yeah. Lower body temperature. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm like a radiator most of the time. High blood pressure. Oh, I think we've all got that round this table at the moment. <laughs> Increased occurrence of psychic intuitive abilities. I knew you was going to say that. Yeah. Predominantly blue, green, or hazel eyes. Oh, Heather's got blue eyes. So My eyes Greg. are black. <laughs> Red or reddish hair. Increased sensitivity to heat and sunlight. You cannot be cloned. Well, I don't know if I can or can't. Has anyone ever tried? Yeah, I went out Friday night, got lashed and cloned. And you have an extra vertebra. (laughs) A tail? You have a tail. (laughs) Heather's got a tail. I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) And horns. Oh, man. And horns. Yes, you're ticking a lot of boxes there, Heather. I know. Yeah, that's not good news, is it? And I've never seen you out in the sunlight, to be fair. It hurts my eyes. I know, right? <laughs> I remember the time you caught fire and had to run after you with a fire blanket. This is true. That's a fabulous story, Kim. You shall have two fabulous and rounded points. I will end tonight's round of Ghosts and Hauntings by having a story here that involves a little bit about ghosts and a little bit about UFOs. I'm doing a segue. Do you see how that works? Great. It says, mysterious humanoid UFO filmed floating in the sky. But is it actually the Ghostbusters Marshmallow Man? See Stay puffed. This is like, if you've got your ghost and your UFOs together, it's like Christmas and Halloween all in one package. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's the best of everything. A strange humanoid object has been filmed floating in the sky above Los Angeles. Eager alien hunters captured footage of the UFO from multiple different angles before posting the footage on YouTube. They claim it is undeniable evidence of alien visitors, but some have dismissed this as a stunt or a hoax. The footage shows a white object that looks more like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters than a traditional flying saucer. According to the narrator of the video, the UFO is holding a type of orb, which disappears from view as it rotates in the sky. Some of those that have watched the footage weren't convinced by its appearance. To be honest, as much as I want to think this is an alien... I think it's just a balloon, wrote one commentator. Another added, finally, undeniable proof that balloons exist. (laughs) Have you seen this video footage? (laughs) Yes, and before I could write it down, somebody else commented and said, it does, it looks like a stormtrooper. I don't think it looks like a stormtrooper. It's a really odd piece of footage. People have filmed this from multiple angles. So more than three people have seen this image in the sky of Los Angeles. And it looks like a white kind of blobby figure and it kind of moves a little bit and it rotates in the sky i definitely don't think it's a balloon it's definitely not a balloon if i had to guess and at one point it actually looks like do you know the ghostbusters logo where the ghost is coming out and you've got the red sign with the yes. diagonal 
you know strip going across it it actually looks at one point like it's got the diagonal strip running through it i wonder if because it's los angeles and it's hollywood and because there's a ghostbusters film coming up wouldn't it be a great wheeze if we projected into the sky the ghostbusters logo do you see what i'm saying so i wonder if it's something to do with some sort of advertising campaign for the ghostbusters film but it looks very odd it's like a white man in the sky moving around and it's very strange and there's nothing when i look at things like that your brain's always looking to find things that it reminds you of it's Mm -hmm. looking for you know what could that be does that remind me of anything there was nothing in my file in the back of my walnut that would suggest anything of what that could be it doesn't look like anything i've ever seen before so if people wish to see this as i said it's a cross between a ufo and the ghostbusters logo to a degree but again it is available for you to see and you can make your own judgments if you visit more questions than answers with adrian lee on facebook you can see that story for yourself that is the end of the round that is ghosts and hauntings and we're all tied with a very resplendent one little duck on two we run into the round that is ufos and cryptozoology it's hairy beasties it's green men it's standing in a cornfield late at night firing a laser pen up into the sky and saying here i am come and get me i have a story that says nick jonas do you know who nick jonas is yes he's one of the jonas brothers yes okay well we're we're learning a lot tonight about cayenne pepper what's his name i can't remember (laughs) honey Nick Jonas reveals he believes in aliens after seeing three flying saucers. I know you've told me he's one of the Jonas brothers, but that what do they do? Play rugby? He's a rugby player for New Zealand, isn't he? <laughs> Nick Jonas believes in aliens. Is he like Hanson? Like one of them? Pretty much. Okay. And he isn't afraid to admit it. The singer who once dated Selena Gomez. See, already in the third line in, the only reason he's famous, according to this, is because he was once dating Selena Gomez. No, he was famous... One of the Jonas Brothers. You keep telling me that, like at some point I'm going to know who he is via osmosis. <laughs> he was quizzed about his beliefs in extraterrestrial life when he appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers on Tuesday. After it was brought up that his pal, Demo Lovato, also believes in... Demi Lovato. I don't know who these people are. They're just It's just words. <laughs> words on bits of paper. I mean, I come over here. This is American culture. I have no idea who these people are. I can't even begin to tell oh, well, you. I'm just he, translating for us Americans. What does he do? Play darts? What is he? That's a female singer. Oh, okay. He doesn't play darts. Fair enough. <laughs> and up to the hockey now. She's 180 God. to stay in the game. It's Demi Lovato. She's stepping up. She's got 60. No, I'm just saying it just sounds like a darts player. Also believes in UFOs. Nick delved into a story about seeing three flying saucers when he was younger. He explained, when I was 14, I was in my backyard playing basketball. with some. Did I get basketball right? Is that some sort of sport over here? Yes. Okay. With some friends, and I looked up into the sky, and there was three flying saucers. Everyone said it was a movie, but I was convinced it was real, so I looked it up online. And yes, there was three identical sightings in other states at the same time. I don't know how he thinks it's a movie. What's he think that Hollywood's got three flying saucers and they're going to film them as they go over? He says, so I'm a firm believer in aliens and extraterrestrial life. Host Seth didn't seem too convinced. And he then asked Nick if he believes in mermaids. Because there's a natural <laughs> progression, isn't there, obviously? Nick laughed it off before saying that mermaids are BS. 
Why so harsh on mermaids? What have mermaids done? There's just as good a chance as mermaids existing, surely. Do you think that? I don't know. Let's have a debate. No. Cryptozoology and UFOs, all in the same story. Who knew? I'm going to give myself four (laughs) glorious points for doubling up on the UFOs and cryptozoology. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of hairy beasties and green men? I got a lake monster. You've got a lake monster. Yeah. A lake monster sighting was reported in Vermont. Yes, where the best cheddar cheese in the world comes from. (laughs) (laughs) A six-humped monster has been sighted in the waters of Harriman Reservoir in Wyndham County. The Loch Ness Monster is not the only denizen... It's not the Loch Ness Monster, is it? The Loch Ness Monster comes from Loch Ness in Scotland. You didn't let me finish my sentence. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll go back to bed. The Loch Ness Monster is not the only denizen thought to be lurking in the waters of a lake. (laughs) I see what you did there. You just added that. That wasn't in the story. I want to see it written down. Yes, I can... Well, it's a bit of paper you're holding me. (laughs) (laughs) The U.S. state of Vermont, for instance, is Is that Vermont that's famous for cheddar cheese, by any chance? Is home to a monster legend of its own, a creature known as Harry. 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 Dirty Harry. Talk of the mythical beast was renewed this week after local resident Martin Kessendorf spotted something peculiar in the waters of Harriman Reservoir... While he was sitting on the shoreline, the incident occurred at 2.30 p.m. on Friday when his dog started to bark at something. He followed their gaze out over the lake and saw six distinct humps protruding from the water. Each hump was about six inches to a foot apart. That's a big difference. It was nice and sunny in the afternoon, and the surface of the lake was calm. I could see the water lapping up against them. Keen to get a second opinion, he called for his wife to come and take a look at the spectacle. No, he didn't. He got a piece of rope, said, let's go water skiing, sweetheart, and was using her as bait. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> at that point, the hump started moving and submerged. Then a few yards to the right, I saw something straight like a log and brown moving quickly through the water. We've all had that, haven't we, after Taco Bell? <laughs> if it was a log, it was a log with a motor on it. Oh, man. Uh, when I looked at YouTube footage of river otters swimming, they swim like porpoises. So he's assuming that this isn't river otters and everybody else in town says it is. Wouldn't it be great, right? You've got all the river otters together. They've got a leader. Synchronized yes. river otter swimming. swimming. His name's <laughs> Leaders Colin. Right, lads. We're going to go out and have a bit of fun with the tourists today. I'm going to go out in the lead. I want you to swim about six inches to, to a, a foot behind me. <laughs> We're all swimming a line, okay? I'll go first. Let me get out there. I'll start it off. I want you to come in after me. We'll do it all in a line. And then we're all going to dive yep. down. Bob, you come second. Gary, you can be third. Sean, if you want to go fourth, we'll all go in a line and we'll just go past. And Cletus, you take up the rear. Yep. <laughs> I was going to ask Greg something then, but my mum said if I had anything nice to say. And when his wife comes, we'll all go under the surface so she doesn't get a chance to see us. Oh, it's a joy, I tell yeah. you. I shall give you points for being informative. I have a story that says UFO spotters glimpse reptilian shape shifting alien ship in the what skies over Russia. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> That's a lot of S's, isn't it? It is. 
here we go. UFO spotters glimpse reptilian shape shifting alien ship in skies over Russia. Very yeah! good. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Three points to me. What? The remarkable video <laughs> shows a bizarre shape shifting reptilian craft zooming through the skies over Russia. Do you know some people have trouble saying S's and they whistle? They're like, sesame seeds. I, I, it's like uh, Cecil. Cecil. What's the character from the Family Guy? Are you ready for your poops and your peeps? Oh, that's the, the neighbor. Next, that's the creepy right. neighbor. Got it. UFO spotters glimpse reptilian shapes shifting alien ships. What are you, Sean Connery <laughs> with a lisp? <laughs> or a UFO glimpse or a reptilian shape shifting uh, ships. <laughs> and uh, I'd like a plate of chips on uh, an alien skies in Russia. <laughs> I hope you don't. On get with you, you go. <laughs> I don't even know where I am anymore. The striking cell phone filmed footage. <laughs> What's this going on? It's like alliteration gone mad, I tell you. Was released by a group called Secure Team 10, which specialises in uncovering damning evidence of extraterrestrial visitations. The shadowy community of alien spotters recently released footage of a strange black UFO, as well as another unexplained craft zooming past the International Space Station. Do you remember we did that story last week? The filmmaker saw the object through a break in the clouds at first, the spokesman said. He then took out his phone and began to film on the clouds in the hope of documenting what he saw. Like we tell anyone, if you see a UFO, try and get a video recording of it. UFO believers excitedly greeted the footage as evidence that strange alien creatures were visiting Earth. The craft was described as reptilian in origin. How do they know these things? Whilst (laughs) others... I'm just saying. What's it look like? A giant gecko in the sky. No, it's in the sky. It's not climbing a wall. Um. <laughs> it's in the sky. <laughs> it hung just in the sky, exactly in the same way that geckos don't. <laughs> the craft was described as reptilian, while some observers said it was strikingly similar to another mystery machine, which ominously mystery machine. followed a young child for a fortnight. <laughs> followed a young child for a fortnight. They're shaggy. In the back of the mystery machine with some puppies and some candy trying to lure kids into the back. Is this where we're going? No. Oh, okay. My bad. (laughs) This looks suspiciously like the same thing that was supposed to be stalking a child last week. In Britain, there was a UFO. The child said, he ran into his parents and said, Mum, Mum, all week I've had this strange object in the sky following me. And the parents said, don't be silly, son. You know, pushed him back outside. He managed to get his cell phone out and videoed the UFO that was following him and showed his parents the UFO that was stalking him. And it was like a giant, it looked like a camera. Do you know the old-fashioned single-lens reflex cameras where you've got the main lens and then you've got two black bits at the side? Whether there was some sort of internal jet engine and then two bits either side of that. But the kid actually then filmed it. It's one thing, isn't it, saying, Mum, Mum, I've got little green men living under the bed. Go back to bed, son. You know, don't worry about it. He actually videoed it. But I think, you know, there's a long leap between filming a UFO following a child and saying that the UFO was looking to abduct the child. Do you see what I mean? Right. You're putting some human conventions onto that process. The, the UFO might have been trying to protect him. There might have been things that were going to happen to that kid. Do you see what I mean? You're making the assumption that because the UFO is following him, 
he wants to abduct him. They just do it, wouldn't they? They travel galaxies, thousands and thousands of miles, using technology too advanced for us at the moment. Why would it be following a seven-year-old kid? I don't get it. They'd just take you, wouldn't it? Yeah, Why would it? wouldn't so. need to observe him, would it? I find the whole thing very, very bizarre. But if people wish to see that, they're more than welcome to go online and have a look on our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? A Yeti expedition cancelled over Taliban fears. An expedition hoping to determine the truth about the Yeti has had to be cancelled due to safety fears. The trip, which would have seen Italian mountaineer Reinhold Mesner leading a group of researchers into the remote mountains of northern Pakistan, aimed to determine once and for all whether the creature responsible for sightings of the legendary Yeti was actually an ancient bear or polar bear hybrid, an idea first put forward by Oxford University scientist Brian Sykes. Being the first person to climb up Mount Everest without additional oxygen and to scale all 14 of the world's tallest peaks, Mesner was undoubtedly the perfect man for the job. What ultimately thwarted the project, however, was something not even Mesner could overcome. The team had been hoping to keep the expedition a secret to avoid attracting the attention of the Taliban, but when the Austrian press unexpectedly published details of their plans, they were left with little choice but to abort the entire operation. I find this bizarre because in northern Pakistan, the Taliban are living in caves. I mean, are they getting a copy of the Vienna Monthly come through their letterbox? Do you see what I'm saying? Are they getting the Innsbruck Citizen come through? The Salzburg Gazette? Oh, it's my copy of the Salzburg Gazette. It's only a day late. I had to reach northern Pakistan and go to a cave. I mean, they must be having keywords. Yeah, you can do keyword searches on Google. They must have something set up. How would they even know that? I don't know. Do you know. see what I mean? But th this reminds me, a couple of years ago, they were due to do a similar expedition in Chechnya. And that had to be stopped because of the war between the Russians and the Chechnyan people. Mm -hmm. And that had to be postponed as well. And then they tried doing one in the Ukraine and all the business with Crimea started up and they couldn't do that. If they decide... I want to know the next place they're going because ultimately I would avoid going there for holiday. You see what I'm saying? This will be the fourth time he's packed his toothbrush. He's due to go off on an expedition to find the Yeti. And then you find out, I can't go there. It's a war-torn part of the world. That brings to an end the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. Greg is currently in last place. He's yet to score with a nice round egg of zero. I am on three points. Heather is on four. And Kim is currently on two. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the ability to say legendary live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you've just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolor for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee 
underscore tips. And remember, I'm looking for you to write to me and tell me your favourite stories over the last three years. And we will put them on our greatest hits show for Christmas. I also want to remind our listeners on Dark Matter Radio that we do have archives at SoundCloud. Dot com. If you go to MQTA Radio on SoundCloud.com, our stories are there from the last three years. You can access all of our stories anytime you want, in the gym, in the car. If you're perhaps doing a radio show and you want to listen to my dulcet tones while the others are reading out their news stories, <laughs> you could even do that. That would be fabulous. I do want to tell you, though, there is an extra 15 to 20 minutes on those shows called Not For Your Mother. The stories from around the world of the week that couldn't be read out live on air because they are laden with innuendo and sexual content. So if you wish to listen to those as well, they are on our archives. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother is still snoring from the room next door. So onwards, we march into the round that is strange and bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that are strange and bizarre but don't fit into any other category i will start there is a woman rescued by an raf helicopter after she injured herself while scattering her mum's ashes oops a woman had to be pulled to safety by an raf helicopter after she tried to scatter her mum's ashes at a remote beauty spot linda crowler 49 broke her ankle after stumbling into a pothole whilst climbing a 300 foot hill and had to have a rest of her throbbing foot on the only support available a bag containing her mum's ashes. Use her as a footstool. She said, it's the only time she's been useful. It was our big family get-together since mum died three years ago. They took a while, didn't they, to get out there and do that. But near the top, I went crashing down and felt my ankle break. I was trapped and in awful pain. I bet my mother never thought she'd be supporting me three years after she died. They phoned for an ambulance, but because of the remote location near Largs, North Ayrshire, a Navy seeking helicopter was scrambled. Her niece, Leanne Craddock, 34, was able to guide the rescue helicopter to them via a map app on her mobile phone. I thought they was going to say they were going to undo the urn and put a giant cross on the hillside with the ashes. <laughs> I thought that would be the way to go. Leanne said, go on. I was just thinking she wanted to scatter her mom's ashes. Oh, right? the helicopter comes down. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Everyone's got a lung full of that. That's, That's terrible. terrible. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine those adverts on the television for washing, washing up powder and, you know, for laundry detergent? This gets blood. Red wine and your mother's ashes off of your clean white shirt. Oh, God. That's appalling. <laughs> God, you ain't dusting it out of your hair. That's just wrong. Leanne said Gran always loved a bit of a ceremony, but would have been laughing at the RAF seeing her off. Gran would have found her antics hilarious. But Linda from Runcorn, Cheshire, missed the moment when sister Jackie Webber, 50, and niece Leanne Craddock, 34, scattered the ashes because she was being taken away to hospital in an RAF seeking helicopter i wonder if prince harry or prince william is prince william isn't he he's the rf pilot they're both pilots mm -hmm. but he's now got a job with the coast guard he has actually rescued people recently i try to share that with you that's his job nice i know yes you mean it, he just doesn't sit there on a throne huh no that's not the way to go apparently he did a couple of tours of afghanistan actually i heard that yeah under the name of uh wells harry wells and william wells was their last name yeah 
And they didn't recognise him? No, it was, a, it was a covert. Well, again, I think the Australian press have a lot to answer for, even the Austrian papers. I think they, uh, it may have been a French newspaper, released the fact that he was out there and they wanted to keep it quiet. And, of course, as soon as the French press said he was out there, they had yeah. to bring him home again because he would have been targeted. Right. And it would have been unfair on his squadron because they would have been targeted as well. I shall give myself points. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? I have a company making a hat out of my dead dog's fur is ignoring me. Dead dog's fur? Yeah. Okay. Does that sound fun? There's a character. There's a there's a famous comedian in Britain called Ken Dodd. And there was a band in Britain called Ken Dodd's Dad's Dog's Dead. What? I know. I just reminded me of that. Wow. Try saying Ken Dodd's Dad's Dog's Dead. No. Okay. A year before her German shepherd, Romeo, passed away... Michelle Miller started collecting his fur. He was the nicest dog I ever had, Hang she on. recalls. Start collect, well, like, like brushing him and collecting it, kind of. Or yeah. just getting some gaffer tape. I'm going to start collecting Molly's fur. Waxing him. That's terrible. Yeah, so she collected his fur for a year. Uh, when he quit eating, she was forced to put him down. She knew one day he, she'd turn all the fur she collected into something. So she had a purpose a year before he was dying. She's going to stuff a mattress. Yeah, she said, uh, I want a hat now. She said, I don't even care how much it costs now. She shipped the fur to Gora Fibers in Canada. Now, he's the bass player of Kiss. You can't give me that. (laughs) Online, the company shows how they spin dog fur into yarn and can make hats, mittens, pillows, and even Christmas stockings. Yay! Michelle picked out a hat. She said, it's really cute, and I even saved some glitter buttons to put on it. I want a pair of knickers. I'm just What? Saying, that would be the way to go, wouldn't it? It'd be comfortable. Okay, tell everybody in America what knickers are. Briefs. Wife fronts. It's underoos. Gentlemen's underoos. There you go. Well, we call them pants, and I know I can't use the word pants over here because you think those are trousers. That's a, No, those are pants. No, they're trousers. The website claims the process of making yarn takes about four weeks. So she went to a post office and she has a tracking number proving that the company got the fur. Michelle is concerned because she says they never billed her and didn't respond to her emails. More than six weeks after sending it, Michelle is moving and is afraid Romeo's fur is gone forever or forever. (laughs) I see what you've done there. I'll give you minus one for that. But anyway, so... Do you know um, why the mail carrier has to stop every time he's got the package when he goes past the lamppost? It'll take him forever. I'm just forever. saying. Forever? See what I did there? I'll give myself another point. Why am I not getting any <laughs> points forever? Because I'm in charge of the points system. <sighs> anyway, it cost her about $690 to make this hat. And I'll just give you the last quote. She said, he's going to be my all-time winter hat. He will be a total conversation piece for the future. People are going to ask me, where did I get that cool hat? And I You're going to have to kill them, a dog. And I can tell them the story about my beautiful dog. So would you wear your dog? On your head. On your head. I don't even or, like the, the dog smells is the first thing. The dog stinky. It's breast terrible. It's first smells terrible. I'm a cat person. This is shockingly bad. No, I wouldn't kill a dog to get a hat. It reminds me of that she scene. She didn't in kill him the on Empire. purpose. He was dying. <laughs> so she thought she'd slot it out in the woods That's and make right. a hat. That's right. No, it said he stopped eating. And then she put it to sleep. She didn't <laughs> slot it. No, she hit it with a brick out in the woods. That's <gasps> terrible. terrible. I know. Absolutely terrible. It reminds me of that scene in The Empire Strikes Back where Harrison Ford 
Han Solo cuts open. Is it a Wampa? I can't remember the names. Oh. Pushes, pushes Luke inside. It's See, a Tauntaun. Oh, that was it. What's a Wampa then? Is that the... That was the big... Abominable the, yeah. the snowman that tried to come abominable. after him. Abominable. See, Go I got on, there. It, Every it. show, there's a squirrel or there is Abominable. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Blood Moon has some expecting the end of the world. No. That's terrible. Imagine, I've just got new tyres put on the car. That's shocking. It really winds me up. <laughs> <laughs> there will be blood in September, literally, according to the internet postings of end-time believers. The night of September 27 and 28 will bring a blood moon. To sky watchers, it simply refers to the copper color the moon takes on during an eclipse, but to some Christian ministers, the fourth and final eclipse is a tetrad. Four consecutive total lunar eclipses, each separated by six lunar months, fulfills biblical prophecy of the apocalypse. I find it very odd because the moon's always associated with the moon goddess and with Wiccan culture and witchcraft and paganism. You know, at which point does a Christian minister step in and say, oh, we've got a full moon, it's the end of the world. And while I'm on my soapbox, we are not meant to know when the end of the world is coming. It says in Revelations that the rapture is only when God is going to decide the rapture comes and man is not meant to know. It specifically says that. So which well, part? I'm going to give you a couple Bible quotes oh, here. Oh, fantastic. Let's have an argument. Go for it. Okay. So the reference to the impact is most direct in Joel 2, 30, 31, which reads... And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. The interesting thing is that only the moon's going to do that. As far as I'm aware, the sun's not planning to do anything. Unless on that date, September the 27th, the sun does go black. And in which case I'll look like an idiot. But I'm willing to take that risk. We now sprint into the round that is not for your mother. That means you have now found us on our archives. So well done for typing in soundcloud.com and then MQTA Radio. Yay. Or for following the links. I admire your taste. For finding us, this is a joyous occasion. This is the round that we cannot read out live on air. This is the DVD extras, the extra 20 to 25 minutes that would see us removed from Dark Matter Radio or any other radio station. It's the stories from around the week that are not for your mother. You have been warned. It is no good complaining to me if you're now listening to the show and you get easily offended. We have given you plenty of warning. Make sure your mother's asleep and that small minors are removed and placed in an airtight room next door. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? $10 says it's a willy story. You owe me money. Oh, okay. Okay. I have a woman who hires strippers Yeah. to perform. Uh, yes, what strippers do, yeah. At her late husband's funeral. Really? <laughs> Male or female strippers? <laughs> Female. <laughs> I'd be really unhappy that that was happening and I died. I say, <laughs> you know, I'd be thinking, oh, hang on, I'm feeling a little bit wheezy. My blood pressure's high. I'm getting a few palpitations. Let's call the strippers up now, bring them in, and let's no, enjoy. She them. waited until he 
I know. Done. There's there's a sense of control there that you know you don't get any fun she and enjoyment. She was a very devoted wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least that's what the first line says. Right. A devoted wife in Taiwan has fulfilled her husband's wishes to the very end, putting aside her personal grief to invite strippers to perform sexy dances at his funeral. Can you imagine the conversation in the congregation where you've got your two elderly aunties chatting to one another? I can just rem- think of all the children in there with the mothers holding the hands over the little boy's eyes. Johnny, don't pet, the, don't pet the snake, Johnny. You don't know where it's been. No, female strippers, sweetie. Yes. They'd still have a snake. Female strippers with a snake. You've never what seen... strip club are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this on the film. I've been Blade. to male strippers and they have lots of snakes. No, there are dances that can be done. I've seen Blade Runner with Ridley Scott. There is a snake involved, I tell you. Exotic dancing with snakes. Never seen it. Don't really? know what you're talking about. Okay. Greg was the one who told me. I've never seen them. He was the one who had to buy a new shirt when he came home from the <laughs> God. Uh, scantily dressed women strutting around and posing provocatively is not an image one would usually associate with the typically sober affair of a funeral. Especially in a Catholic church. And in Taiwan. I couldn't imagine that. But this Taiwanese wife could think of no better way to pay homage to her husband. Apparently, the woman organized the unorthodox entertainment to venerate her late husband's memory and let him feast his eyes from the afterlife. That's just cruel. As I'm during sorry. his time, he famously had a penchant for looking at beautiful women. Or a penchant. A pension. He had a pension, did he? He was doing well, did he? He had a good yeah. pension after he retired. <laughs> that's what paid of, for the strippers. That's what paid for the strippers was his pension. <laughs> I see where we are. Um. While it is not certain if the spectacle was a somewhat unhealthy but genuinely affectionate tribute. An unhealthy but. Unhealthy but genuinely affectionate tribute to the woman's husband or actually a symbol of spiteful irony mocking his wandering eye. That's what you suggested. (laughs) Imagine a lap dance. There he's green Uh, and she's gyrating on his lap. Oh, and he's just I just I just think that's, there's no wandering hands at that point, is there? Do you see what I'm saying? No, no. no. Uh, it certainly is an incongruous sight for the normally solemn place of mourning. Last month, raunchy photos of strippers and pole dancers gyrating on stage from funeral services in rural Hebei revived the trend of erotic distractions at funerals, which had been a long hiatus following the crackdown on X-rated entertainment accompanying eulogies. <laughs> eulogies. I did not know this was a thing. Uh, well, I've not been to Taiwan recently, to be fair. Did anyone know this was a thing? You no. didn't even know that women dance with snakes. So, you know, it's just saying. <laughs> I'm going to have to do more research. Are you telling me you knew of stripping funerals? No, I had no idea. There must be a joke in there somewhere. I'm sure there is. You can is. write to me at MQTA. <laughs> Rocket mail. Send all correspondence to Adrian. I've just got this somber scene. You've got the casket laid out with the flowers on it. You've got the priest, the pastor. You've got the congregation crying. And there's a couple of Taiwanese. Then the lights go out. The what's go out? Then the lights go out. There, someone blows out the candle. You've got the music coming through. And are they using church music or their own music? Organ music. Organ music, I think, is the way to go. Organ grinding? No, that's a prostitute with a chipped tooth. <laughs> that's what happens if you get sand in a condom. 
Just saying. <laughs> yes, and then the, the spotlight comes on from the font. The altar's there, and they use the. To be fair, this is the, it is mentioned in the Bible. Salome danced salami. Salami danced erotically and asked with a snake. Yes, and asked for David's head on a platter. John the Baptist, should I say? John the Baptist's head, wasn't it? No idea what you're talking about. You have about. no idea what I'm talking about, No have idea. You? Wasn't okay. it on a cartoon? I don't know it. No. <laughs> it wasn't on Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Heather doesn't know. I have a story here that says, this is a very strange story from the Daily Mirror in Britain. Great. You know that the journalist had a lot of fun putting this together. It says, sex with animals. The horny oddballs caught with their pants down with snakes, ducks, cows, and other wildlife. Now, the journalist has had to go out of his way to find a list of people that have done strange and bizarre he things with animals. He probably didn't have to go that far out of his way. Shane Dad, Alan Blackman, shocked the family when he admitted to carrying out a sex attack on a horse yesterday. That, that was a very quiet dinner they had that evening. But the removals man from Norfolk is not the first to get caught overindulging in a bit of animal attraction. I've said this before. If you're interfering with a horse, you have a lot of ambition, don't you? You know, I'm just saying horse anatomy would dictate that you wouldn't even notice, perhaps, if you was a female horse and you was chewing on a bit of grass and a gentleman came up behind you, practiced the physical arts, you wouldn't even know, would you? You wouldn't even notice. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It shows ambition. Many creatures, great and small, have been subjected to the unwanted advances of an amorous oddball. Cows, goats, dogs, and even a duck have been identified as victims of bestiality around the world. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Police in Oregon are looking for the Portland pooper who keeps defecating outside the same office building. It's the phantom turdler. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There's your next victim. Portland police are pursuing a prolific public pooper who has been spotted doing his duty outside the same office building several times this month. (laughs) Oregon's mystery defecator has caught on camera excreting outside the building with toilet paper in hand so many times a business owner spread flyers around the city asking for help catching the Portland pooper. I thought he was just on the top of the building doing it from afar, perhaps writing his name. I have trouble, trouble dotting my I in Adrian. I get, I get as far as the, I could do. The A works perfectly well. The D I can get. The R's great. I have a lot of trouble with muscles trying to get the I. I'm trying to dot the I on on the I for Adrian. What are you talking about? I'm talking about defecating off of a tall building and trying to write my name and saying that I have trouble dotting the I. No, just me. Okay. Well, you haven't got an I in your name, have you? So it doesn't matter. Kim has got a similar problem to me. She gets the K out. At some point, you've got to stutter, haven't you, to get the I dotted. Do you hear what I'm saying? The M would be workable, I think. You've just got to dot the I, haven't you? We need to cross the T's and dot all the lowercase J's. Uh, after word of the pooper leaked, police identified the man as a criminal suspect who could get charges for offensive littering and disorderly conduct dumped on him if he's caught. I see what you did there. Grossed out locals noted that the pooper comes prepared to each of his crimes. With I, what? Like toilet paper? Yes. The phantom turdler. Um, I find it interesting that he has toilet paper with him. It's very pre-planned, Katrina Salazar, who works at the fixed hair studio near the followed up office said. You just don't really know what to expect around here. People, they like to do their own thing. They kind of march to the beat of their own drum. 
Police have no leads on who the pooper is and are hoping to get a statement from someone who may recognize him. Oh, man. Portland beats many major cities on the public bathroom beat thanks to Portland Loo, a series of city-owned toilet kiosks that are free and open to the public 24-7. It's unclear if the pooper is targeting the office building for any particular reason, but his illegal relief is not an issue of toilet access. Stewart said police have not determined how many times the pooper has pooped at the same spot or if his pooping has spread elsewhere. (laughs) This is a very detailed story. I would suggest that someone in that office block has really hacked him off. Are they an insurance group or something that's not paid up? Or I would be checking all the businesses in that office. You don't just. Maybe you got a bad hairdo. They do the emphasis on do. (laughs) (laughs) Heather, finally, what have you got for me in the round of not for your mother? It's a Willie story, isn't it? No. I'm disappointed. I know. I disappointed you this week, but I have something better. What could possibly be better than a Willie story? Something you've probably never heard of before. Oh. I have a Texas woman who was arrested for having a loaded gun in her vagina. Wow. (laughs) Greg. (laughs) Greg's shaking his head and she'll get given a point. This was from Waco, Texas. A woman who was arrested along with a man after a late night traffic stop in North Waco neighborhood had a fully loaded handgun in her vagina. I thought it was like an assault rifle or something. What? (laughs) Yeah, she had a bazooka. (laughs) What? A profanity. Yes. <laughs> wow. What did you? You wouldn't be able to feel the sides, would you? Do you know what I'm saying? God. Officers arrested Gabriel Garcia, 30, and Ashley Concilia Constanada, 31, after they pulled over the 1998 Toyota Land Rover shortly before 11 p.m. Monday at North 15th and Blair Avenue within 1,000 feet of the West Elementary School. This makes it worse. If you're driving a 1998 Toyota Land Rover, then you deserve to be pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) Officers found 2.7 grams of methamphetamine hidden under the driver's seat of the vehicle and another 29.9 grams of meth in a purse along with a set of digital scales. Do you remember that guy that managed to put all his drugs in some, some Tupperware and pushed it under his driving seat and wrote illegal drugs on it? No, uh, yes, or, I remember or, that it story. It was not, not pot or something. Oh, he, wrote, or, right, yep. he wrote not pot written on it. <laughs> or something like just, that. Just so the police would look at it and think, oh, that's not pot. Obviously, he's written not pot on it. It must be legit. <laughs> it's when you're going past a strip mall and the entire strip mall's empty, but you've got the signage outside to tell you what all the different buildings were. There's like a grocery store and a Walmart. And someone in spray paint has written gynecologist. And you're thinking, that's legit. Yeah, I know, right? As police were taking the two to jail, Constanada told an officer she had a handgun concealed inside her vagina. Is that... I know. Officers immediately stopped and a female officer searched Constanata, discovering she had, in fact, placed a loaded Smith & Wesson pistol inside her body cavity. Now it's a body cavity. Maybe she had a concealed carry. Wow. Uh, Did he have a silencer on it? (laughs) It was still in the holster. What is wrong with you? Are you done? Yes, there's no more. All right. The weapon had a round chambered. Uh-huh. And a full magazine of bullets. Um, so my question actually was to you, Greg. What is a Smith & Wesson pistol? And how big is it? 
<laughs> it's a large one. It's not a small one. I don't know. I, maybe a, they'll get into the It's the caliber that's going to tell you how big it is, isn't it? Well, uh, Swanton, who was the police officer, said he did not know if the gun's safety was on when it was recovered. Ew. How could you even do... I can't even imagine. Anyway, the gun police recovered is a six-shot Smith & Wesson Model 61 semi-automatic pistol, which was first sold in 1970 as a 22 Escort. The handgun has a five-bullet magazine and was intended for concealed carry. There you go. Kim nailed it. <laughs> it weighs about nine-tenths of a pound and is 4.7 inches in length. Can you imagine robbing a bank? You go, wad- yes. <laughs> you, go wad- on. you go waddling in, <laughs> lift up your skirt and say, put the money in the bag and no one gets hurt. <laughs> Can you imagine the discussion between the police officers on retrieving I, it and, and the safety and if they'd accidentally shot I, her and the kind of trouble they'd be in? Yeah, I can feel it. I think I can feel it. <laughs> well, the officers said we don't see those, meaning those type of guns too much i can imagine they don't see that instance too much i hope can you see the gun no but i'm gonna go on a long journey and i can see a tall dark stranger oh, she did get a proposal wow uh, constanato was charged yes with including man- one of marriage <laughs> with manufacturing delivery of a controlled substance in the drug-free zone two counts of possession of a dangerous drug and with unlawfully carrying a weapon <laughs> Wow. So she didn't have the permit then. No. no, Obviously, I I don't have lady parts, but you're making it sound like it's a shopping basket. Could you go into Walmart, pop up a couple of grapefruits, an orange, a leg of lamb, you know, maybe some milk and waddle out to the cashier? I mean, it's just. No, but in a colostomy bag, you can carry some steaks. Yes, we covered this. (laughs) We covered this in some detail, in more detail than I wish to care to remember in last week's show. I just, I. This show. I chose that story because I can't even fathom it. I really can't. It just handguns aren't. You're going to have to kind of do a. It's like a dog's leg, isn't it? You're going to have to go in and round. You see what I'm saying? It's not like a long kind of single cylinder, is it? It's got a handle. You've got to go in and round. Do you see what I'm saying? Ask a really weird question. I don't have women's parts. I can't answer. I just have a really weird question. No, I'm not going to hide a handgun in my willy. No, that wasn't it. Okay, peace shooter maybe. Does a gun go off if it gets wet and would it get wet going up there? I don't think a gun goes off if it's wet. Help me. It has to be triggered with a hammer. It's more questions than answers. I need an answer. We shall look it up. <laughs> I'd love Go on, type that in your Google bar. <laughs> yes, and then watch the FBI come round an hour later. I don't think so. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Greg, who was very quiet tonight and is on one resplendent point. But in first place with the $33,000 IR camera as your first prize is Heather on eight. I am on second place on seven points and Kim is third on six. Do not fear, listener. I will get the camera back in the car park when we leave. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal. Strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. 
adrianlee.com. You can also join my Twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips. And if you wish to listen to our archives, our shows over the last three years, you need to go to soundcloud.com and type in MQTA Radio, where we have 20 to 25 minutes of every show called Not For Your Mother, a round that is laden with sexual innuendo, the stories from around the world that you would not want your mother to listen to. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Tom Grainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember... Be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs>